0: Spend any time watching or reading the news today and you'll be quickly overcome by the amount of chaos in our world. Chaos seems to be growing in all facets of our lives. Chaos was also present in Jesus' time. In the story of Jesus casting out demons from Luke chapter 4 verses 31 through 44, Jesus teaches in the synagogue and a man with an unclean spirit is present. Jesus silences the demon and casts them out of the man, healing him in the process. What do we make of this story? Are demons reigning in our modern world? Is evil winning?
1: Let's pray. Spirit of life, God of love, open our hearts and enter in, that hearing your word of love we may become your love for others. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter six, verses one through eight. It's called The Divine Throne Room. In the year of King Uzzah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a high and exalted throne, the edges of his robe filling the temple. Winged creatures were stationed around him. Each had six wings, with two they veiled their faces, and with two their feet, and with two they flew about. They shouted to each other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heavenly forces. All the earth is filled with God's glory. The doorframe shook at the sound of their shouting, and the house was filled with smoke. I said, Mourn for me, I am ruined. I am a man with unclean lips, and I live among people with unclean lips, yet I've seen the King, the Lord of heavenly forces. Then one of the winged creatures flew to me holding a coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has departed and your sin is removed. Then I heard the Lord's voice saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? I said, I am here, send me. Our second reading is a Psalm of David, Psalm 138. I give thanks to you with all my heart, Lord. I sing your praise before all other gods. I bow down toward your holy temple and thank your name for your loyal love and faithfulness, because you have made your name and word greater than anything else. On the day I cried out, you answered me. You encouraged me with inner strength. Let all the earth's rulers give thanks to you, Lord, when they hear what you say. Let them sing about the Lord's ways because the Lord's glory is so great. Even though the Lord is high, the Lord can still see the lowly, but God keeps his distance from the arrogant. Whenever I am in deep trouble, you make me live again. You send your power against my enemy's wrath. You save me with your strong hand. The Lord will do this for my sake. Your faithful love lasts forever, Lord. Don't let go of what your hands have made.
0: It is not a typo in the bulletin. Our sermon text this morning is the same as our sermon text last week. Because sometimes there's so much stuff in these passages, you can't get through it all in one week. And I don't think you're going to sit here for an hour as I go on and on about a text. So Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 44, Jesus in Capernaum. Jesus went down to the city of Capernaum in Galilee and taught the people each Sabbath. They were amazed by his teachings because he delivered the message with authority. A man in the synagogue had the spirit of an unclean demon. He screamed, hey, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One from God. Silence, Jesus said, speaking harshly to the demon. Come out of him. The demon threw the man down before them and came out of him without harming him. They were all shaken and said to each other, What kind of word is this? That he can command unclean spirits with authority and power, and they leave. Reports of him spread everywhere in the surrounding region. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus went home with Simon. Simon's mother-in-law was sick with a high fever, and the family asked Jesus to help her. He bent over her and spoke harshly to the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and served them. When the sun was setting, everyone brought to Jesus relatives and acquaintances with all kinds of diseases. Placing his hands on each of them, he healed them. Demons also came out of many people. They screamed, you are God's son. But he spoke harshly to them and wouldn't allow them to speak because they recognized that he was the Christ. When daybreak arrived, Jesus went to a deserted place. The crowds were looking for him. When they found him, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of God's kingdom to other cities too, for this is why I was sent. So he continued preaching in the Judean synagogues. The word of God for the people of God. In 1973, a movie came out. And I'll be curious to see how many people here have seen this movie. It would go on to be the highest grossing horror film up until a few years ago. The movie was called The Exorcist. Has anyone seen The Exorcist? Okay, so we have some people who have seen The Exorcist. It was quite a phenomenon as far as movie making goes, and it was really something that impacted our culture. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I can't say that I've sat down and watched the whole thing. And I didn't do it this week either. I didn't gather Elsa Abram around and say, we're gonna watch a movie for Sunday. I didn't do that. So you had the exorcist come out and it was this phenomenon in culture. Something that had a lasting impact. This isn't the first time that something secular or cultural had a big impact on how we, within the church, view certain things. When Dante's Inferno came out, if you ever had to read that in high school or college, That had a huge impact on how people in the church thought of hell. Most of our thinking about hell doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from things outside of the Bible that have kind of worked their way in over time. The exorcist kind of did that. This wasn't kind of the invention of exorcism. Exorcism had a long history long history in the Catholic Church. There were even Jewish uh, Jewish exorcists in Jesus' time. So this was not a unique phenomenon that Jesus was coming across here. But what the exorcist did is it brought it to the forefront, and there was kind of this frenzy around exorcisms, and the Catholic Church saw this huge spike in people needing exorcisms. I don't know what to make with that. There are these kind of cultural phenomena or psychological phenomenon that when people kind of gathered and get frenzied, things happen. But I've noticed within the church, we tend to respond to a reading like this in one of two ways. Number one, we kind of look for the logical explanation of these things. You know, there were things back then that people attributed to demons or, or the spirit realm that caused sickness. Things like epilepsy, schizophrenia, things that we know of now that they did not. So we try to look for the explanation of what it was. The other way we seem to respond within Christianity to a passage like this is to really elevate the demons and to build a whole theology around demons and how they work in the world. We saw that... Not long after that movie came out, a book came out called This Present Darkness, written by an author named Frank Peretti. It was in the early 80s. I think 81 or 82 is when it came out. And I read this book, and there was a follow-up book. But this book is written in parallel with things going on in this town and all of the things you can't see going on in the spirit world around this town. Demons and angels fighting over people and fighting over the town. And it had a big impact and how people saw the spirit world around us. So those tend to be the ways we respond to a reading like that. But is the rational explanation for these, these things or we build this whole theology around them that I don't think is warranted either. So I could have done the easy thing when I preached last week on Luke using this to show Jesus' authority and power and identity. I could have skipped the whole demon part. And it was tempting. I had something initially picked out for this week other than this, and I thought, nope. I've really challenged people to not skip the hard things. So I said, we have to look at the demons and Jesus. So what do we have in the story? We have someone coming to the synagogue for worship who has a demon. Whatever that looked like, Jesus recognized it spoke harshly to the demon and cast the demon out of the person. The people with Jesus at the synagogue saw this happen and were astonished by it and wondered how Jesus could do such a thing to claim authority even over the spirit world. Because you have to bring your mindset back to their mindset in those times. They didn't question the existence of a whole spiritual dimension that they could not see. They readily accepted it. They did not question it. All kinds of things were attributed to the spiritual world, things they didn't understand. But what they were amazed by is not the fact that there was a demon present. They were amazed by how Jesus commanded the demon, calling for it to be silent and casting it out. I can't say that I've ever experienced someone being possessed. I have not. I have met other pastors from other traditions who say they have. I don't discredit their experience. I just haven't had that experience. So it's wrong for me to say, well, I haven't had the experience, therefore it's not possible. But I think this text has a lot to teach us because a couple of things I think are really important. Number one, this takes place in the synagogue. So contrary to you know mythological belief, apparently these unclean spirits, which is what demon means, it means unclean spirit, can freely enter these places that are set apart or that are considered sacred by humans, and they can freely enter in. The other thing I think that's important is when we read about the understanding of demons or the spirit world or unclean spirits back in Jesus' time and in after, one thing is common. And it's that these demons or unclean spirits were thought to thrive on the creation of chaos. They thrive on the creation of chaos in the world. Well, that makes sense. When you have a lot of illnesses in Jesus' time, being attributed to demons or unclean spirits, that's creating chaos in someone's body. If you've ever seen someone have a grand mal seizure, there is nothing more chaotic than that experience for that person. They lose all control over their body. They don't have any recollection of the event. And this idea of the chaos being caused stuck with me this week. Because as I have been kind of deep with other pastors and theologians and things trying to wrestle with where the modern church is and where it's going, one thing is clear. There sure does seem to be a lot of chaos in the church. I don't think anyone can deny that. And every avenue of Christianity has had their own chaos. We've had our chaos in the Presbyterian Church and split with ordination of gay and lesbian people and same-sex marriage. We've had political chaos as people have become more and more divided and no longer want to associate with other people who don't think the same way as them. The chaos of scandals hitting churches. Which seem to happen more and more often. So there seems to be a lot of chaos in the church. So perhaps perhaps there is something to say for unclean spirits working in our world. Perhaps that's a thing. We can't see it, we can only see their destruction. Now, here's where the danger comes, though. Because if we were to develop a theology around that, that was us versus them, good versus evil, the angels versus the demons, we elevate them to a position that they don't have. Jesus didn't have a problem casting out this demon, it happened quickly. They didn't put up much of a fight. And Luke puts this here to re emphasize Jesus' authority even over the spirit world. We can't make the mistake of diminishing Jesus' authority and elevating the demons, which unfortunately happens. It's clear that chaos seems to be reigning at the moment. What do we do about that? I'm not advocating for an increase in exorcisms. I couldn't arrange one this morning. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I couldn't do that. But we have to be able to recognize the chaos that is seeming to reign and spread and the destruction that it's causing and reassert the authority that Jesus has to call out that chaos, to call out that chaos, to call out that destruction and to reclaim God's authority over all things. think about where the church is and where we hope it to go, if there's anything I'm convinced of, it is that we need to be the voice calling out in the wilderness, the voice preparing people as we just went through with Advent, voices speaking to the destruction that is being that is being done to our communities, that is being done to our churches, that is being done to people's lives, and reclaiming Jesus' authority through all of it to push those things out, to speak truth to power, to speak about ways of peace and justice and comfort and forgiveness and mercy and love over all chaos and over all destruction. Because when we are set out to usher in God's kingdom in this world, we are bringing those very things with us. So don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. But instead be astonished at what God is doing and can do and will do and follow the call to be an active participant in it. Use your voice just as Jesus did. Use the authority that Jesus gave us to usher in God's kingdom in this world. To continue the work Jesus started. The work that Jesus gave to us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Community Presbyterian Church in Grand Rapids, Minnesota.